1: Hope Alive. Streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries. Captain Park,
0: South Africa. Just recently I was seeing that over one million viewers have listened to the song on YouTube mm. by Joyous Celebration. They are really doing them Thank <laughs> you so much D, for plugging us. If you don't have the song, this is their latest song, uh, their le- uh, as latest Album, yeah, volume, and this is a young woman who joined, uh, I think last year, Joyous Celebrations, and she's been quite leading very well. And what an amazing song! Then, yes. on a God's Love Thursday, welcome back. If you have just tuned in, this is the talk right here at Hope Alive radio station. It's exactly 13 minutes past 10 o'clock. Uh, thank you so much, Neo, for the news bulletin. We'll be catching up with her. Are at exactly 11 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, do you tune in and engage with us and follow us on our Facebook page. It's Hope Alive Radio Station. On Twitter, it's Hope Alive underscore radio. Hashtag the talk. Hashtag the Reach aunts. And... Because it's a Thursday today, mm-hmm. we always have stories, God's yeah. love, Holy Gossies. Beautiful you can engage stories. with us on 0671531089 uh, so that you can engage with the stories that we're talking about today. As promised earlier, we have a guest in the studio, our very first own male, male. guest. Can
1: <laughs> we give him a round of applause the there? <laughs>
2: yes, I mean, he deserves it. Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most so of the time, are, it's ladies yes, on God's Love yes, Thursday. Yes. So today, it's so our first.
0: very first own guest, male guest, yeah. on God's Love Thursday. Today, we appreciate for having you today. Our guest is called Cody. Cody, the evangelist. He's also a public speaker, an addiction. Consultant and aspiring Christian rapper, yo yo yo. We are. In there. <laughs>
1: I'm saying who currently <laughs>
0: serves at Elim Clinic, a professional treatment center for addiction, where he is assist patients on their journey towards recovering. Having been there himself, he is also involved in many gospel outreaches, as well as recovery and drug awareness programs and talks with businesses, schools. Churches, etc. Our very own first male guest is right here in the studio. Cody, welcome and a very good morning.
3: Just being the first uh, guy else, it's like a lot of pressure on me, (laughs) but I'm happy to be here and uh, really uh, this is a a real privilege for me and I'm looking forward to how it will turn out.
2: Mm.
4: Indeed, welcome to the show, and it's good having you. Like, God's love Thursday. We, I, we had named the session, Abum, <laughs> Abum, Tan, and <we> decided, oh, <laughs> no, man, let's not be biased like that. Let's, yeah. do, let's re- have uh, gender equality coming up. So, Cody, please do tell us about yourself, where you grew up, and your your journey.
3: Well, uh, my journey, well, it goes a bit back. I have a uh, a bit of a you know, kind of mixed background, if I'd say. So I was mm-hmm. uh, born in the Northwest. Uh, Mafi Keng, Mabatu. Um, Yeah, yeah. So I spent the first three years of my life there uh, with my mom and my uh, grandmother. Mm. Uh, My biological father uh, had no part in my life uh, around about that time. And obviously, you know, moms uh, wanting to be independent, uh, she decided, no, we're going to move to Johannesburg. Mm. And the only family that we had in Johannesburg was uh, another grandmother of mine uh, who stayed in uh, El Dorado Park, so in mm-hmm. South Johannesburg. So I'm from Aldo's.
2: Wow. Uh,
3: that's my hometown. I love that <laughs> place.
2: Mm. That's where
3: I grew up. And um, so that's really like where my my, my my journey starts. I'm I'm with my mom. We uh, by my grandma's place. My mom meets my stepdad, who actually raised me, and obviously he is my dad. I don't like referring to him as my stepdad. Mm. And uh, obviously, you know, given where I, I grew up, uh, you know what I'm saying. There were some challenges earlier on, uh, especially for me, because I I had a lot of uh, rejection issues. You know, because my mm. parents obviously had to make clear to me that my father who was raising me at the time was not really my dad and I think as a youngster uh, we can be very narcissistic Mm. and we can actually like blame ourselves and say okay so the reason why my dad dad (laughs) you know didn't want to be a part of my life is because maybe it's me maybe I'm the issue Mm. maybe I'm the problem and uh, that's where really my my issue started uh, because I I was now struggling to to fit in because I was always looking at myself as different from those who I was growing up around you know and uh, my 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 stepdad was doing his ultimate best. I mean, there was never a time in my life where he really made me not feel like I was his child. Like mm. he treated me as his own. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He had his own faults. Uh, I definitely say that. But he made, you know, his, his attempt to raise me as his own. But I always had that inkling, you know. Mm. And obviously, he also had his struggles. Mm. Uh, so, so growing up as a youngster, there was uh, a lot of alcoholism in the family, Um, I was also exposed to, you know, people using substances. And even at the time in El Dorado Park, gang culture was very, like, rife, especially, like, in the 90s, you know. And, you know, that's what we as youngsters were continually exposed to. Uh, Given the circumstances, there are lots of unemployment, so many people would turn to crime, Mm. and this is how they would make a living. And obviously, as youngsters, we're always looking for role models, you know. Mm. Especially if you're, like, a young boy, you're always looking for male figures, Mm. Uh, to look up to And uh, that, that's really where Also this, this issue started Of me just desiring this approval Because now I'm feeling the rejection Coming from my dad, dad And now my, my father he's also having his struggles Because he also didn't know he's dead So he's still learning how to be a father with me and he was there, but there were times because, I'd say, because of his drinking where he was, like, emotionally absent. So it's one minute he's there, one minute he's not. One minute he's there, one minute he's yeah. not. And so that whole rejection thing just started escalating and building up. And I was just feeling, like, unloved at the moment. You know, I, I felt unloved. But they were ma- if I think about it now, they were making attempts. But as a kid, you normally you, you interpret things differently. Mm. And so my rejection issues just kind of grew and grew. Mm. And I remember... When I started school, at school I also was very, you know, small kid. Uh, really? Very, I was very <laughs> really small. Um, you know, this wild imagination, just innocent. And obviously, if you like this little small, tiny kid, you're gonna get picked on, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So now I'm at school, I'm dealing with the bullying, and obviously, uh, you know, uh, at home we were kind of taught as boys not to really cry and mm. to kind of fight your own battles, you know. Yeah. Like you actually get a hiding for coming home and saying somebody hit you. Yeah. Like my dad would be like, <laughs> No, you gotta go and hit that, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and I was like, Okay, I'm going through this bullying now at school. Mm. And I was also very quiet about that. And I remember my mom even saying, like, why didn't you say anything? And I can't really understand why I didn't. I just felt like it was my thing. I'm a, mm. you know, boy, I should deal with this, uh, you know, as, as a man would. Yeah. And try. yeah, that kind mm. of toxic masculinity. Mm. So, um, so it's the rejection from my dad. Now my dad also, he's kind of, you know, everywhere because of his own issues, his own struggles. Now there's also rejection like from our peers with the bullying. And mm. I'm just struggling to really fit in to, to fit this, this cool kind of, Click, you yeah. know, mm. and, um, and it really, uh, and I share this with a lot of people. And I always say that my first addiction was not necessarily substances. It started with like approval. I was, uh, as a youngster, because as you grow up, I mean, as a youngster, you're, you're a little child. You want the approval of your parents, mm. right? Yes. But as you get into your teens, especially or as you grow up and you your social circle begins to grow, you begin desiring the approval of your peers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was this great just hunger. Like if 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 only they'd accept me, if only they'd embrace me as one. Yeah. And I, I remember this obviously because we are growing up in an area where we're exposed to a lot. And now we these 12-year, you know, little teens. We're almost approaching our teens and we, we're being naughty. You know, we're we mm. smoking cigarettes. Um, and I remember just one time, uh, you know, I was offered, some weed, marijuana, dacha, and um, I remember being a 12-year-old, and I, I felt pressured in a sense uh, to, to just take the blunt and just to prove that I'm cool, cool yeah. and I didn't rea- necessarily realize that that was going to open the floodgates. Uh, for, for, for other habits that, you know, this was just me having fun and that's normally how it is in the beginning. So I'm this now 12 year old boy. Uh, I finally learned to stand up for myself. I'm finally getting this group of friends that really kind of relate with me. We all have issues, you know? And so we, we kind of connect when we together. Mm. And uh, we're now experimenting. I think it's our way of escaping or our way of proving our manliness, Mm -hmm. our Mm -hmm. way of of also adopting this, if I may say, gang culture in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because we start forming these little cliques, and we start, like, acting and behaving like thugs when we're really not. (laughs) Mama and daddy's babies, but out in the streets, it's a whole different story. You know what I'm saying? And so now when you go to high school, that pressure... Like escalates now. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Now you're grade eight. You know what I'm saying? You got to be tough. You got to be stern. You know? And that was it for me. Like, I'm like, nobody's going to pick up, like, pick on me. I even started doing boxing. You know what Mm. I'm saying? But on the side, I was adopting this party lifestyle. We'd smoke marijuana once in a while. uh, Drink alcohol once in a while. And obviously as time went, it just began to escalate more and more and more. So as youngsters, we drank once in a while, smoking weed every day. And then it it became more frequent and more frequent and more frequent. And with that comes a lot of issues because addiction uh, changes the way you think, right? So it will also change the way you feel. Mm. And it will especially change the way you behave. It has a, a way of like stripping you of your, your morals and your values and your di- and it just strips you of who you are. Mm. You know? And so that's where parents can really like notice, okay, there's something up oh. with my yeah. child. But my parents weren't as clued up. Mm. So they just thought maybe, you know, he's just being naughty. Even my dad, he's a boy, he's just being naughty. But they didn't understand that. Uh, things were really escalating, you know, because I was very secretive about my addiction. I didn't know at the time that it was an addiction because in the beginning, you still have some control over, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, the substance. In the beginning, you are the one that's in control. But mm. as it escalates, it starts dominating your life more and more. Yeah. Now, I mean, my, my parents are doing their best. Um you know, they sending us to church. I mean, we, you know, I grew up Catholic, so I'm still going to church. I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, kind of cognizant and aware of, of God in a sense that there is a God, but mm-hmm. I don't really have any relationship with Him whatsoever. You know, and obviously now I'm growing up, I'm asking questions. And I'm seeking for answers, I'd say, in all the wrong places. <laughs> I think I should have been smarter in that and kind of investigating more and not just taking everybody's word for it. And so I'm also having that struggle as well, you know, because I kind of, uh, in a sense, I think we normally do this, is that I also would... Sometimes blame the Lord for putting me in that situation, the rejection. Maybe if He'd done something, you know how it is. How we process things as yeah. as youngsters. You know, you don't want to take responsibility for the decisions that you are making. You know what I'm saying? Because there are many people who grew up like I did, but who didn't do the same things that I did. So now I'm like 13, 14. I'm involved in this clique. You know, we get tattoos now uh you know what i'm saying we're smoking weed more often mm-hmm. we're hanging with this group of thugs you know we mm-hmm. always around them washing their cars just wanting to impress them maybe they'll see uh you know something in us and kind of pull us into this thing we want the money that they have we want the cars we want this we want that and we have this mentality that we have to prove that we're tough everybody has to fear us and it just comes with that lifestyle and so things just started escalating i became more aggressive at school grades are now dropping you know, I'm just doing things that are just out of character, you know. Parents can't really put their hand around what's happening. And I remember when I was 15 years old, I, I tried a, a harder substance than just now alcohol and weed. It was uh, rock mm-hmm. at the time. Very, very popular where I was growing up. They even called it more" because. Wow. That's what it literally would do. And now, you know, you're just trying these things out. But little did I know that I was priming myself for for use of other substances. Mm. And that I was actually addicted. Like at the age of 15, I'm already uh, addicted to this hardcore drug that I can't afford. And now I have to surround myself with people that can make that available for me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just causing more and more havoc at home, causing more and more havoc out in the streets, fights, stabbings, you you name it, stealing, just doing things that are like out of character, you know? And my mom initially thought, you know what? Maybe we should move. And if we move, maybe uh, it would lead to change. She was just afraid. She could see that if I continue on this path, on this journey that it's going to lead to destruction. Mm. So it's like, hey, let's move as far away from elders as we can. But initially elders wasn't really the problem, you know what I'm saying? The problem was really inside, like I said, yeah. what gives? Ad- what makes addiction so powerful is that everybody has some kind of void that they're trying to fill. You know, and I've learned that now, if I think back, like there was this voids mm-hmm. that I had mm-hmm. that I was... Mm. Trying to numb, Mm. and I was using addiction to escape, uh, you know, trauma. I was using addiction to process pain or to process the guilt and the shame and the depression that came with my drug use.
1: Just to interject, Mm. Cody, um, when you were alone in your corner after doing all of (coughs) those things (coughs) you were doing, did you, did you somehow feel, "I want to stop, but I don't know how to stop"? Mm. Let me just continue. Did you have that 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 sense of, yeah this is not me, but mm. let me just do it because I'm trying to fill yeah. this emptiness that I have in me.
3: Yeah, I, I I genuinely felt that. And there was also the fear, yeah. you know, if you're a youngster uh, coming out and just... You, you, it was very... You know, you didn't know how people would respond. Right. So coming out and just saying, this is the problem, I have this kind... Like, you, many youngsters suffer in silence because I didn't know that I was addicted. Mm. I just... Couldn't stop myself from I try in my own power and in my own strength to stop. I mean I'm a teenager, yeah. you know, and mm. I I didn't understand know what kind of flack I would get mm. from from coming out with this. So I rather just kept it to myself and I made attempts on yeah. my own to try and stop. I remember even like friends, because I had people who were a bit older than me. Mm would see that I'm going a bit off the rails, Mm -hmm. and they would also make attempts. And my my parents, they only thought it was alcohol and and, and weed. They didn't know about how deep uh, things actually were. Mm -hmm. But I think when I hit like 17, 18, now I'm drinking more frequently. I mean, I'm a teenager at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm drinking like I'm working, like I'm Mm -hmm. drinking like, like a grown person, you know, whenever I can, however I can. It was just about that. Uh, For me and did you have
1: frequent fights with your parents while you were doing all of those things? Yes,
3: definitely because mm, obviously they are are authoritative figures, right, in my life. Mm -hmm. And as a youngster, you sometimes feel that your parents are trying to control your Mm. life, right? They're invading your space. Mm. I'm I'm enjoying my life. Mm. You guys had your Your chance. chance. Mm. Let me do my thing. So I had this bad habit of moving out the house and staying with friends. Because I knew if I was with friends, there's there's no real authority. Mm. I can live however I want Mm. and and do whatever it is that I want. But when trouble would hit, I end up back home. (laughs) Kind of like this Mm. bad, bad cycle. So I remember my mom... um, just after we had moved to benoni she really started taking her faith very seriously mm. right she like i i couldn't explain it at the time like like mom's going to church more like she's praying more like she was like literally changing in in, in front of us because you know what I'm saying because my dad also he also had these issues you know what I'm saying so my mom is literally like compelled to pray for these three Mm. men in her life it's me it's my dad and it's my little brother Mm. right so she Mm. becomes this warrior that's making intercession for us I'm telling you there were many times where I I was in trouble or like my mom would say you know you you survived because I prayed for you I remember I had a I was drunk on a a bike and I had an accident in 2011 and my mother told me that morning that she, she was about to leave for work and mm. obviously she felt the Holy Spirit yeah. you know uh, telling her to go back and just to pray for me a little and I almost died wow. that day and survived. so I'm going through all these traumatic experiences the guilt and the shames packing up right it's hard to face my parents because I'm I'm, I'm squandering every opportunity that they've mm. given me uh, to make something of my life right <laughs> and this is just a negative cycle because what most people don't realize is that the the, the people are around the person in active addiction suffer more True. than the person who is actually in active yeah, addiction. addiction, right? Yeah. Because this is your loved one that's mm. suffering, you know yeah. what I'm saying? This is uh, you, they, they, this is a person with potential, this is a person with, with so much mm. in them, they can accomplish so much, and you can see them see themselves like ruining that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's very hard for parents to process that. And so parents make sometimes, you know, really drastic decisions. But I'm glad that my mother made that move and becoming a believer and really growing in her faith. Because Mm -hmm. normally what would happen when I find myself in these situations, I'd be like, you know, moms, could you pray for me? And she was always sharing the gospel with me, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I've met people outside of my home that were doing that, but my mom always was always pointing me to the Lord. But I was also stubborn, uh, having my own beliefs, wanting to also, you know, just be free and yeah. express what I want to believe in, what I want to believe in. That's your belief. I had that kind of mentality. Yeah. But as, you know, things started escalating, you know, I, 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 I started thinking about wh- wh- what my mom was really saying. And I remember when I was about 20 uh, years old, um, I, I, I I decided now to finally just come out wow. and, yeah. and, and really just... Uh, tell my parents what's wrong. It was actually after a failed suicide attempt. So things had gotten so bad and I'd become such a burden for my parents. I was like, you know what? If I die, and then I think that's what most People normally when they take their lives, especially like for addicts, we think that we are alleviating our family yeah. of the burden, yeah. but we only making things worse. Yes. We hurting them far more than us being in active addiction actually could because now it's like they left with their home we could have done something. We could have intervened. So by God's grace, I survived. This is the first of many attempts. I survived this attempt. I'm in ICU. I wake up. My mom's on the side of my bed and she is bawling. She is crying. Yeah. You know, and that guilt, oh, like, it it hit me, man. Like, mm. what are you doing, Cody, you know? Like, why are you doing this to the people that love you the most? Because mm. whenever I was in trouble, they were there. It was not the friends that I was using mm. with. It was mm. not the friends that I was getting in trouble with. Mm. When I got arrested,
2: my, my family bailed there. me out.
3: Yeah. When there was a court case, my family bailed me out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So my, my family was a, a, a good support structure for mm. me in that mm. they never gave up, and there are repeated attempts to to rescue me as much as it was also becoming this buffer between me and the truth of my addiction was also helpful because i knew that there were actually people who cared Mm -hmm. and these were people that wanted to see me win so imagine this boy he starts when he is 12 years old right he starts using substances first stage and it escalates and escalates and it goes into harder substances and other harder substances and other harder substances, and I'm getting into so much trouble, guys. You, you know, like, I wish my like, family could tell you like how mm. wild things really were. I mean, now we're staying in Benoni, you know. Uh, and I'm also moving around. I mean, Davidson. I mean, Tema. I mean, you know, I don't have no real structure in my life. And I.
4: And, um, mm. oh okay, so <laughs> yeah, <But> I'm <laughs>
3: sure
0: that uh, when you were in ICU, that was your turning point. Mm. Was that your turning point, or mm. later on?
3: It was later on later because. On. You
0: not a problem. We'll mm. take a short break. We'll mm. go to the ads and get our water. Then we'll come back as we link into your turning point. Mm. When then did you make a decision, mm. Muti? Mm. Now it's time for me to make my own choice yes. mm. to accept this Christ. Okay. You are still tuned in on the talk right here at Hope Alive Radio Station. If you want to engage with us and have questions for Cody, our ca- guest here today, uh, tune in on 067-153-1089. For now, let's take music. Music.
2: Music by
1: Don Moon, Changing Lies, one of Cody's favorite. And uh, thank you for plugging us, Cody. We'll be playing this song very often right here on the talk because it's the first time we hear it Yeah, and uh, we love it. Nelza.
4: So, Cody, I just want to know. So, you spoke about you recovered from the suicide attempt and you're in ICU, you mm. wake up, mom is there next to your bedside and that's when it hit you that mm. why am I doing this to the mm. people that love me the most? Mm. So when, if that was your turning point, where did you meet Jesus? Because you were already introduced to to the Lord at a young age. I mean, you grew up being taken to church, but you know mm. that there's a God that exists, mm. but I have never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Mm. So take us through that journey as to when you decided to have the 360, no, 180, because yeah. 360 mm. takes you back to the very same point mm. you started.
3: And I would say that was, I would say almost the turning point. Uh The thing is, when you are in addiction, mm-hmm. right, Uh consequences normally take second place. But mm. that was the eye-opener for me because that was my first attempt at now changing I remember going to my first rehabilitation center, uh, booking myself in not far from here, Eden Vale, and my mom buying me a Good News Translation Bible. Still have it. Yeah. It's full of highlight No, it's, like, mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of my favorite Bibles. And I started like visiting the scriptures, mm. uh, you know, Psalms and Proverbs. I really mm. one was tr- making an attempt now at uh, developing this relationship with God. But like I said, consequences still took place second place. And I, uh, I think I, I, at that moment in time, I didn't initially give my life to the Lord, but I'm now, I was beginning to search yeah. and it took another four years of me being in and out of rehab, me being in and out of hospital. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, almost six years ago, uh, after another near, uh, death experience, uh, I just realized, okay, you know what this needs to end. Like, this needs to stop now. No, it's either I'm going to live my life in the way that God wants me to live it Mm. because the way that I'm living my life right now is not working for Mm. me. And I'm beginning to see that All that my mother has been sharing with me is true. Because my mother said, look, Cody, we've taken you to the best doctors. We've taken you to the best psychiatrists, best psychologists, rehabs, you name it. Why do you not give God a chance? And she'd always say that, give your life to Jesus Christ and you will see the changes. Uh, She would even quote, uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Mm. The old is gone. And that's what I was struggling with. I couldn't move away from my past. I'd Mm. done so many things in my life that I didn't think that God would forgive forgive someone or embrace someone like me Uh, but I was like you know what I am going to embark on this journey and I remember my mom uh, booking me in at a hospital I was there for three weeks dealing Mm. with my depression which was also drug induced and now I'm beginning to visit the scriptures she also gave me a book uh, by Pastor Rick Warren uh, Purpose Driven Life and so I'm visiting the scriptures and I'm reading this book and I'm really really now dabbling with the truth because I I really want to be sure yeah. Ab- yeah. Ab- ab- about this God and about who he is and what he's accomplished for me on the cross. I've, I've heard this before, but I want to understand the significance behind it. And, and and so five years ago, after that clinic, I booked myself into a rehab, and guess which rehab it is? Elam Clinic. Um, now I'm at Elam Clinic. Uh, the core day is Christianity. Uh, it is optional. You can go to chapel, attend services. Mm-hmm. We have Whoa. guest preachers mm-hmm. coming in every... See, okay, this is prior to COVID. And so I'm now in this place uh, where there's spiritual counseling and somebody's really walking this journey with me, helping me to search the scriptures, helping me to answer the difficult yeah. questions that I have. And also in this chapel, I'm constantly hearing the gospel. And I think a week before my discharge date, uh, I don't remember the past pastor's face. I just remember the message and it resonated with me because he was saying exactly what my mother had been saying to me Mm. for over 10 years. Mm. You get what I'm saying? And Mm. I remember just feeling this prompting. And I said, Lord, like it's time. I want to give my life to you and I want to know who you are Mm -hmm. because if you made me and I am broken and I have all these issues that I'm dealing with then if I go to you with these burdens if I go to you with the trauma if I go to you with the rejection um, you know maybe this is where I will find the healing and the restoration and the revival and the change that I'm so desperate for Mm -hmm. and so it was in hearing who Jesus is what he had accomplished on my behalf mm-hmm. and what that meant for me that changed me. And when I would read the scriptures, I remember leaving ELA, man, I just started diving into the word. And I remember somebody shared with me, like, Cody, you still need to be accountable. And I joined a local church and people really started pouring into me and really just discipling me. And my faith really started growing and healing really started taking place. I really changed. Like, Cody from then and Cody now yeah. are two different, different people people, you know, amazing, and I, I, I got amazing. really I involved. Wanna, I'm yes. sorry Cody yes. to
0: just cut you off there, but mm. I just want us to take it from an angle where um, you've now... The truth of the matter that it's, it's exciting to go in front and accept Christ as your mm. Lord and Savior, find that church, you know, mm. belong somewhere, and you're yeah. so in love with the Word of God. Mm. You, But what are the challenges that you faced after you have made that decision? I want Christ. I want Christ mm. to rule and reign in my life. Mm. What were the challenges? I'll tell you um, one thing about me. When mm. I also decided to come back to Christ, I was such a lover of alcohol. Mm. And one of the things that when I took... the step to come back to God I was like how am I gonna stop that Mm. shivering cold (laughs) sweating alcohol Mm. in the fridge how am I gonna do Mm. that and miraculously God made me stop there immediately Mm. in your case didn't you have the cravings to Mm. go back there and Mm. um, it's it's very good to make that decision Mm. you made it we praise God but the devil also comes. The mm. Bible says mm. when the demons get out of our bodies, mm. he goes and fetches Is more stronger yeah. ones. Yeah. Say, yeah. All right, mm. who do you think you are? Mm. In your case, how did you manage the cravings that came mm. along? And even your friends that you used to mm. yeah. to, to to take along yeah. with? Mm. How was it?
3: Okay, so obviously um when I got saved, I, 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 I said, Okay, God, like I wanna know you and I also wanna learn how to deal with this issue because I know that addiction is only the fruit Mm. and and sin is really the root of all that is going wrong Mm. in my life. Now here's the Lord Jesus Christ. So I had to come to an understanding of what triggers are and I don't know if you've ever heard the term trigger. A trigger is anything that brings back feelings, thoughts or memories of the day surrounding the times that you used Mm. to use and one of the most important things that a person in recovery needs to learn is how to deal with with their triggers if it be people places or things feelings thoughts or memories it's important for that person to even have their triggers written down and to have someone that they can review that with and Mm. also prepare themselves for the necessary temptations that they will face Mm. and i remember uh when i would have these intent and even to this time there's still sometimes where the desire will linger and where i have to literally shift my focus i'd say prayer was one of the first resorts. Uh, my mother always used to say to me, uh, you know, you normally, people normally do, go to pray as the last thing, but it's yeah, actually the first, first thing because it was do. Jesus himself who said, pray lest you fall into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is is weak you know so it was in praying and, and shifting my focus onto the one that I want to so desperately please and just leaning on him because I am like God I am dependent on you I need you and my feelings and my emotions at that time want to govern my life so it was praying and then submitting to God's will instead of allowing my own emotions uh, you know to govern me on my own thoughts because scripture also says submit to God that means choose. God's will and you know you know and then you will be able to resist the enemy and obviously he will flee in that but you need to know he's going to come back so Mm -hmm. that desire still lingers and that's why I always say to people in terms of my faith I am recovered yes in Christ but as a human being I'm still going through the process Mm -hmm. of recovery the word of God calls it sanctification Mm -hmm. so it was in prayer and it was in submission and it was also in accountability being accountable to people you know Mm -hmm. I think it's Proverbs 11 verse 14 that says, you know, it's it's wise for us to have many counselors, many advisors, you know. So I had a lot of people I was always and still am to this day transparent. Yes, I mentor people, but I still have mentors. Mm-hmm. Yes, I hold others accountable, but I still have people holding me accountable mm-hmm. as well. And the last would be just the change of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I had to change my friends obviously. It was the hardest thing that I ever had to do. But when you are in that space, you need to do whatever it takes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In order for you to 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 find you know, solid ground in your recovery. And I knew my friends were one of the biggest triggers Mm. because I had that approval addiction, remember? And now I needed to realize that my approval comes from the Lord himself. So it's more about learning how to deal with those temptations, you know? God is faithful, says his word. And even when we do face these temptations, it says that it will provide us with a way out. Mm -hmm. And these are the scriptures and the promises that I cling to because at the end of the day, you need to keep his promises in view because it's his word that sustains us. Mm. If his word sustains the universe and we are also beings that he created, then his word will also sustain us. So it's very important for us to learn how to deal with those triggers. And if the temptation becomes too difficult, not to fight it on your own, Mm. but to be vulnerable, to others who can also hold your So
1: control. after changing Cody then what do you s- decide to do do you intentionally go out there and tell people mm. about uh, the substances that you mm. used and encourage young people not mm. to walk the same path mm. or what are some of the changes that you decided now to embark on mm. with your new lifestyle? Yes,
3: so I'm, I'm a year into my recovery. I'm mm. working a proper job. God bless me with it. wow. it's his providence. right? My life is really falling into place. And mm. what would happen is that God would allow moments where I'd meet people. Beautiful. And he would allow me to share my story. I'd be on a how train. Mm. A guy would just ask me, where are you going? I'm like, this place. Next thing, it's a conversation about addiction. Next thing, I'm sharing the gospel with him. Mm. So God trusted me first with the little. He'd bring few people, young and old. People would even come to my house because there were people who knew me. Very well in our neighborhood where we stay now, even in Boxburg, they knew that there's something that's changed about that young man. You get what I'm saying? So God was slowly allowing me to uh, to counsel people, mm-hmm. and even at church, they were giving me opportunities to share my story. And I, mm-hmm. when I started seeing the impact that my story was making on people, mm-hmm. I remember praying to the Lord and saying to Him, God, like I would love to reach more people, because I just genuinely feel like I have a passion and zeal, especially for people who are struggling with addiction. Mm. And not long after that, a few months after that, I got a call from ELM Clinic from one of the pastoral counselors there, Mm. who I'd also kept a relationship Mm. with throughout, uh, just obviously holding myself accountable to that person. Mm. Where am I in my recovery? Where Mm. am I in my faith? And ELM Clinic, by the grace of God, gave me an opportunity Uh, to come there from time to time to help with some of the outreaches that they were doing because we do prevention services so I'd go to different companies, uh, different provinces just teaching people about addiction and sharing my story and eventually started having such a great impact that Elon was like okay look we can actually offer you a permanent position and and this is where you can really serve and also grow in your sobriety because that's where we start, we start with believing in the Lord Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, trusting Him as Savior and then obviously we now by the power of the Holy Spirit attempt to to live our lives to honor him but the last thing is that we help others right Mm -hmm. we help others and we grow in the process so that's the journey that he's taken me through Mm -hmm. and Elam is now that hub where people are coming from all over the country and even outside the country to this one hub and they cross paths with me and with the rest of the staff members like my brother uh, behind me there and Mm -hmm. it's a good team of people also very strong believers and you know we, we, we obviously do whatever it is that God allows us to do in order to point people in the right direction because at the end of the day, that person needs to make a choice on their own. Mm. And that's what we hope to accomplish when we uh, counsel and help people.
0: Wow. Mm. What the enemy uses for evil, Mm -hmm. God comes and tends it for good. And you are literally a living testimony of that statement. Mm. You're now an evangelist. You're Mm. now... um, an addiction consultant, mm. you are an aspiring Christian rapper, Joanna. I actually can. So,
3: I spent most of my life, uh, I was always a rapper, I was quite popular in the secular scene as a battle rapper. And mm. obviously, after you get saved, I, I couldn't rap anymore. So, rap is something that I gave up. But obviously, uh, along the, the, my journey, I've been meeting people who are in Christian hip-hop and who are doing such great things using this gift. Mm -hmm. And as I always say, aspiring, because I'm also still working through it. Remember that rap was also one of my triggers. And so now I need to dissociate the old way of doing hip-hop and that, and obviously now using it as an evangelistic tool. So I can uh, maybe drop a few
2: bars for you. <laughs> Before you do that,
0: we just want to say as the talking, ladies, we are kindly inviting ourselves to your launch of your album as you do so. Take it <laughs> away,
2: baby,
3: Brian Cody. Yeah, It's like, help me walk in a newness of life. I'm new to this life, never knew this was life. Ignorant to my sin, I was clueless, all right? Sex, woman, and drugs, Ate eh, the booze and the pipe. The rappers on the TV, they were fooling me, right? We were ganging in the streets, it was mm. cool, it was hype. Uh. We always in the dark like mm. the cooler the night. Mm. Doing everything that mm. gon' suit us, alright? Mm. Nah, it's funerals, they gon' suit us, alright? I know we made for more. This don't suit us, alright? Yeah. I feel it in my core, it was soothing the light that mm. mommy spoke about. She would preach, I would fight. Yeah. Shaking my fist at God, depression untwist me hard. Yeah. All these feelings are malice. I'm really your twisted heart. Yeah. Let me drink from your chalice and live from your water, God. Mm. I don't know what I want, but I I know that I wanted God. I could yeah. feel it inside. Christ, deal with the villain inside. Reveal my inside. Don't mm. shut me from your presence. Let them find me inside. Oh. Lord, I've learned my lesson. I can see the end times. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> wow, wow, wow <laughs> Drop the ball right there wow,
1: That's amazing, Cody That is so, 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 so beautiful So you turned that uh, rapping thing Now into a gospel version yes, Of yes. it Ooh. The bad lyrics that you would use yeah. Now we are glorifying Christ yes. with yes. it Wow, yes. amazing It has been absolutely blissful, uh, Cody Jimmy, you spoke about uh, his album Can you uh, please talk more about it And tell the listeners what is what And uh, where they can get it
0: no, he's not yet. He doesn't have an album. I'm just applying that when he launches. Speaking oh, it into life. You
1: lives. are speaking it into, it into <laughs> existence. Okay. <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just taking
2: it
1: notes. Yeah.
0: You know but that well, once it happens, we are there. Mm.
3: But what it, what I can say is that I'm already uh, working on a few singles. I have so much music that I'm sitting wow. on. Mm, and really shout cool. out to Melissa Got Gray. Shout out to Black yes. Newborn. Shout out to yes. everybody out there who's mm. been helping me mm. on this journey because many mm. people have been so supportive. Like Cody, you got a gift. Don't let it remain dormant. And so I'm working towards that. That's one of my goals for this year, to at least release a few singles and an EP, if will. So follow yeah. me at Ya Boy Cody. I wow. love. Well
4: uh, Just to wrap up the, the interview, I mean, you are like out there speaking words and we are truly inspired. So what word of encouragement would you give a young listener that's listening at home or someone who's listening and probably going through what mm-hmm. you went through?
3: Well, uh, one of the things that comes to mind is, and as this is something that helped me, it's just something that someone said to me, and they were saying, mm. addiction is not the end. Mm. It is just a fork in the road. Yeah. So as long as you are alive, as long as you are still breathing, mm-hmm. change can take place. But it starts with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the foundation. It starts with the one who who can redeem and change us from the inside out. It's not outward reformation that changes us, but it's God who changes our hearts, our inner beings, and makes us new people. So don't think that addiction is the end for you. It is not. It is only an obstacle in your path, a stronghold that the Lord can tear down. So remember that it is only a fork in the road. And if you are still alive, you can still choose, and you can still live your life and be changed by the Lord. Thank you.
0: Mm. Amen and amen. Thank you so much, Cody, for opening up and sharing your journey. I am sure if there is a young person or somebody who is going through something similar like mm. you went through, they are encouraged. And perhaps um, if you are also listening and who would like to ask question on Ukodi, he's a very humble uh, soul. You can follow him. You can follow him um, on his Instagram page. It's Yaboy, Y-A-H. B-O-Y-C-O-D-I. I I I follow him and maybe inbox him and you can talk further if you are having any challenges similar to what he has been through Mm. in life Cody thank you so much for joining us as Hope Alive radio station with the talk ladies we're looking forward to see more of God's hand in your life God using you and I I declare we declare as the ladies Mm. that may God take you to places that you never imagined may he use your gift to touch souls especially young people Mm. In our generation, and we wish you all the best as a, a Christian rapper. I mean, we need that more, yeah, you yeah, know, a yeah, yeah. Christian family. Yeah. So, thank you so much, Cody, and we wish you the best uh, in everything that you do. It's exactly four minutes to the top of the hour, 11 o'clock, um, and we'll take music, then we'll be right back. Uh, stay tuned.
2: Yeah,
5: this is me now. No audition in my life state. So I'm getting ready for the showdown. And to ask how. The energy of the Holy Ghost in my lungs, you better skip town But if it's blow, blah, and I'm screaming in your face While I'm running in this race, like my last round This my last round, it's the countdown For the coward inside who conquers the crowd Please hear me, Lord lot y'all gotta chill with your fake awards Two weeks on an album, now you want a reward Clearly anybody can get in the mic and say Jack, then shout the name of the Lord, then press record Take a minute, tell me this is what we fight for The reason Christ out on the cross that you rap for Or you do whatever you can for the back door This is on you, sign the right team on the platform
2: Knees again. I've done everything, and I'm done.
5: Is your God ever looking out, easy looking down Or am I looking up, I'm always tripping on the main source No, I'm funny, I see you now A lot of my time is sacrificed and fears Get off a little power Remember now, that everything I've done Till this point, my God will matter in this hour Of it a fake smiles of the clown It feels like the whole world's over me But at the bottom of my knees, yeah, I find a victory, ay hey, Some say I'm leading in music for real Some say we're bleeding as a movement. me So I say it's fine if it seems that I'm losing And everything I'm doing is crashing Oh my Jesus, I'm gone. gone
2: On my knees again I've done everything And I'm done. Just one more
1: To Hope Alive, streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries, Kempton Park.